Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm Lisa Carpenter, Master Life Coach to driven, ambitious humans who want more out of life without having to sacrifice themselves to achieve it. I'll share how it's possible to slow down, take better care of yourself, find more peace and ease, create sustainable energy, stop procrastination and overwhelm, and fall in love with your life, your business, and your body. This podcast is for you if you're ready to learn what it takes to thrive as a high performer, do less, but achieve more, make you and your well-being a top priority, and create your extraordinary life. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, hey, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast, or maybe you're watching this over on YouTube. Either way, I'm grateful that you're here, and uh, I'm hoping today I can provide you with some valuable information around how to manage your energy while you're navigating grief. And grief is an interesting thing, because often when we use the word grief, we associate it with someone dying, Uh, but more often than not, many of you are navigating grief without even recognizing that grief is the emotion you're feeling because nobody's died, but maybe you've had to give up the loss of a dream or a relationship has changed or ended, or maybe your kids have grown up and moved out. So grief can show up, not just when someone dies, but when things happen in life. And I wanted to talk about the five stages of grief, some of the things that I'm navigating uh, in my own life, because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I often share tidbits of what's happening in my life, because I think that's what makes this podcast relatable. When I started the Full Frontal Living podcast, I started it because I wanted to give myself a platform where I could talk about things in the way I wanted to talk about them in the hopes that my listeners would gain some different perspectives or wisdom or see themselves in my story and not feel so alone. I've been very open about the many ups and downs and struggles I've had in my life and in my business. And through it all, I've stayed committed to my own growth. Now, what you may not know if you're a new listener is, you know, over 11 years ago now was when I had my really big wake up call uh, and discovered when I discovered that my, my partner, my husband was an active addict and off he went to rehab and off I went to therapy, um, which I thought was going to be to support him healing. And really what it came down to was me getting a two by four to the head about how much of my own addictions I was in. They're called process addictions. Uh, A lot of people refer to it as codependency. And I've spent years and years and years unraveling those behaviors. I'm grateful for all the work that I've done. I'm grateful for all the healing I've done uh, and how much my life has transformed. I'm no longer addicted to struggle and suffering, although I've been questioning that these days. Uh, You know, I don't wear busy as a badge of honor anymore. I know what boundaries are and how to set them. Uh, I no longer hang my self-worth on the things that I achieve or do. I value rest and play. Uh, I've done a lot of work around getting my nervous system to settle down, changing up all my routines and habits to support my well-being. 
And maybe that's not where you're at right now. Maybe you're the old version of me who is still really struggling along and wondering like how you're ever going to achieve the things you want to achieve in your life because you don't know how to slow down and rest makes you feel lazy and unproductive. And I get it. I have been there. And as I step into this next healing phase, which is another massive wake up call in my life. Um, I can tell you that this work doesn't get any easier. So I'm grateful for the foundation that I've laid over the past 11 years. And I am being so humbled and being so humbled and really brought to my knees again at what is still here waiting for me to heal in myself. So oftentimes external circumstances are the catalyst for these lessons that we get. But the answers to those lessons are never going to be found outside ourselves. And they're not going to be found in blaming the other person. So at the end of February, I had a massive shift in my life again. And uh, it's been a really challenging time. It's been a really, really challenging time in my life. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So although I'm not going to get into the details of it, it, it has impacted every corner of my world, which is why I wanted to talk about grief, because grief is what I have been feeling since the end of February, as this phase of my life came to an abrupt end. And I have been forced into creating a new normal for myself, and not knowing in this place of, of really not knowing of tremendous uncertainty, which I kind of feel like the pandemic years started to prepare me for. Um, but this part of me, if I'm being really honest, that wants to avoid loss at all cost, yet loss is part of life. Uh, whether it's, again, you know, loss of your kids because they've grown up and moved out, whether it's loss of a partner, loss of a friend, loss of a job, anything that we can create, we can lose. And, you know, just living here in, in Canada during the pandemic years, I lost my freedom, my ability to travel and move about the country because of the choices that I was making for my body. And I'm not here to say what's right or wrong. You do you. I get to do me. That was hard. That was hard. That was a hard loss. And there was a lot of grief around that. So I wanted to talk about these five stages of grief because I think it's important that we understand them. And I want to share kind of my experience moving through them. So first we have denial, then anger, then bargaining, then depression or, or sadness and acceptance. And it's my experience that, you know, we use denial a lot because we don't want to accept. We don't want to accept what's changed in our lives. Uh, we don't want to be with it. So denial is this beautiful way that we push things down, that we try and suppress things, that we try and find a way around them uh, to not deal, right? Denial allows us to not take action and not deal, to just, this is where most of the clients that I work with double down on their doing, right? They just get busy to avoid. So denial and avoidance are really kind of, you know, bedfellows. Then we have anger, which a lot of people love to stay in anger when they're grieving because anger is like a powerful emotion. It, it drives change. You know, anger has never been an emotion that I am really comfortable with if I'm being honest. And it's because when I was, you know, growing up, 
I learned that anger had no place. It didn't matter if I got angry, nothing changed. I didn't really have a voice. And, and maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. Everybody has a different relationship with anger. I've had clients say to me, oh, Lisa, I'm not an angry person. Well, I'm not an angry person either, but we are all capable of anger. It's one of the emotions that is on the spectrum that we are able to feel. And for a lot of people, anger gives them that sense of control. It also is used to mask the deeper sadness that many of us don't want to feel. Now, in the years that I've been doing this work, and I've learned how to express my emotions, how to feel my feelings, which I've, which I've talked about in previous episodes, how I really lived in my head, not in my body. And I really didn't want to feel anything. I wouldn't let people hug me because I didn't want to feel something. So I've really learned over the years how to tune into what I'm feeling and express it, which means that as much as I don't like sadness, I'm much more comfortable to go into sadness than anger. Because for me, anger doesn't produce, like anger doesn't make me feel better. What's the point? And I've really had to sit with that. What is the point of anger? What is anger trying to show me? What is your anger trying to show you? So I've allowed myself to sink into a lot of sadness, which has also been needed. But what I find is I'm waffling back and forth between anger, which wants me to know something about what's going on, and sadness, which is also a part of me that wants me to know something that's going on and all your emotions, all your emotions are trying to guide you and to show you parts of yourself. There are opportunities for you to know yourself better, but if we get stuck in one place, we're not going to get the messages. We have to be open to entertaining both anger and sadness. Now the gift in sadness for me is it meant I didn't have to take any action because I could just sit and cry which moved the energy through my body, but it didn't elicit any change. It almost was this place of paralyzation for me. And, you know, I'll share as we go through this episode, kind of what that has looked like for me. And then within the, so denial, anger, bargaining, which is when you're trying to make sense of things, um, wanting things to be a different way. So it, it really kind of flips back to denial as well. Like bargaining can be part of this like den denial cycle that we get into. We start living in the past, wishing, hoping that things could have been different, but things can't be different. So it doesn't matter how much we try and bargain with God, the universe, yourself. It doesn't change anything, but it is part of the process. And then at the end of all of this is acceptance. And you can't have peace if you're not in a place of accepting. And this goes for anything in your life, anything that you are pushing back against that you are in denial of or bargaining with, or just flat out not wanting to, not wanting to deal with it all, which is still just denial. Another way of saying denial, you'll never get to peace. You'll never get to acceptance. And this is where I'm at right now. I'm going back and forth between denial, anger, and sadness, and really struggling to get to a place of acceptance because acceptance is really surrender and surrender is really handing it over and, and just saying like, this is what happened. I cannot change the past. And what do I want? What do I want for my future? And acceptance, when you move to acceptance and you find that place of peace, 
that's when clarity comes. That's when you are able to make the decisions about what you want. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to get to acceptance because I don't want to have to make a decision. And I'm sharing that with you because I think often people can look at me and think that I'm so clear cut and I'm so pragmatic and I've got it figured out and I know my boundaries. But when it comes to people that we love, it's never cut and dry. And I know that maybe some people would sh say it should be, but there are massive lessons for me here around attachment, wanting things to be a certain way, wanting people to be a certain way, uh, wanting what I want in the way that I want it, which is so, you know, that's what so many of my clients, they want what they want in the way that they want it. But I ultimately know that acceptance is where I need to head to. And the only person now that is causing my suffering is me. And I want you to really consider that in your life. If you stop blaming the circumstances, so whatever in your life happened, whatever in my life happened, when you stop blaming the circumstances, the thing that is causing your suffering is you based on where you're holding your attention, the thoughts that you're thinking, the emotions that you're feeling. So we don't have to like it to accept it. You don't have to like what's going on in your life to accept it. You don't have to like your boss. You don't have to like your job. You don't have to like how your kids are behaving. You don't have to like how your partner's showing up. You don't, you don't have to like any of it. You don't have to like your body. But unless you accept these things and take responsibility for your suffering, your suffering will not end and you will never create peace. This takes time. It also is a massive energy suck. So whether you are in suffering, whether you are in a healing process, whether you are in the grieving cycle, what I want you to understand and what nobody is talking about is the energetic cost when these things happen in our life. So I want to talk about the healing aspect of this. And you would think that when you're doing all the things to support yourself, you would feel better. And to some degree, I am feeling better. I'm feeling better than I was at the end of February. Every day I feel a little bit better. And it has also really impacted my energy. So I wanted to share with you guys today how I am managing and how you can manage your energy when you are going through periods of grief in your life and you're not in a place of acceptance, how you can support yourself in feeling better because that's really what energy management is about is how can I support myself feeling better? So I have hired people to help me work through some of this deeper work and it's exhausting. It is exhausting having conversations with coaches. It is exhausting having your most tender areas poked at. It is exhausting confronting the things in yourself that you don't want to confront. It is exhausting releasing the emotional energy that has been stored in my body. So as much as I've gotten really great at expressing my emotions and feeling my feelings, I am doing some somatic work now, which is working on releasing the stored emotional energy in my body. So I'm going to call it emotional constipation that I have suppressed over most of my life. So as much as I've, again, learned to express my emotions, 
for everything that I've learned to express, there's been just as much that I have still habitually been stuffing down and suppressing because that is how I learned to cope when I was young. And it's true for most of us, especially if you are uh, a gen, a gen X, I think it's a gen X, right? Like the, those of us that were told to go out and play until the streetlights came on, don't come home. You know, if you need a drink of water, like the hose is outside, like that was kind of our lives. It was a completely different generation, how we were parented. And I'm not throwing any shade on our parents. They were doing what they were meant to do back then. It was just a different time. We do not parent our kids the same way anymore because we've come to recognize that these things cause trauma and trauma doesn't necessarily isn't doesn't necessarily happen because of something that happened to you trauma can be because of what you didn't receive as well so we've got you know all these wounded adults walking around right like they're like wounded children walking around in adult bodies and i'm including myself in this right because i'm no different than anybody who's listening to this i'm just going through it right now so i'm wanting to share it so as i work with my practitioner on allowing my body like to feel these sensations in my body and this emotion that's been stuffed down to come up it has been so exhausting I have she put me through an exercise and I stood there and cried like I was eight and I and the the judging part of me came up and I was like what is happening here like why am I feeling like this like I feel like I'm eight years old And she said to me, of course you do, Lisa. Of course you feel like you're eight years old because this is how it felt. This this is how it felt. This is how that emotion felt. What were you supposed to do with this when you were eight? You know, my parents didn't talk about feelings back then. We didn't have emotional fluency. We didn't set boundaries. Like we, we never had any of these conversations. So it has been intense. It has been intense releasing all this energy that has been trapped in my body and connecting connecting the emotion in a deeper way in like a physical sensation way oh this is what this feels like in my body and allowing it to be present Uh, because what I tend to do is go into a freeze response which is my whole body like tightens it's almost like I'm holding my breath which of course ties into no wonder I love to be so physical in the gym and do hard things because it just reinforces that gripping and holding pattern. So everybody has a different way with how they cope with, you know, trauma, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma, I'm not here to discount, you know, like I'm using trauma as a blanket statement. Um, But everybody has a different way of coping. Some people freeze, some people go into fawning. That's like people pleasing and, you know, making sure everybody else is okay. Um, some people go into fight. Uh, some people have massive like anxiety in their body shut down. It's different, right? It's different for everybody. And only you can discover what patterns you get into. And it takes, like I said, a lot of curiosity and a willingness to confront yourself. This work is confronting. There's a reason why you haven't wanted to face these parts of yourself. So back to, so I went off on a little tangent there. This is why healing takes so much of your energy. This is why when you're working with a coach, if you are really committed to moving through your stuff, you're probably going to feel worse before you feel better. It's like we got to shovel all the crap 
right? You got to shovel the manure to put it over the field so the beautiful flowers can grow. But if you just have a pile of poop sitting there, nothing's going to happen. So you have to put in the labor of, of shoveling the crap in order to create this, you know, beautiful garden. So how I'm managing my energy, I was talking to my team uh, because, you know, every week I sit down and record this podcast and I've even struggled with that. Like, what do I want to talk about? How do I want to talk about it? Do I want to do this on video? Do I not want to do this on video? Because my decision-making abilities right now are somewhat compromised because it has been such a higher stress time in my life. And when you are under more stress, when there's things, you know, when life is lifing, when you're um, in the stages of grief, your um, cognitive abilities are going to be compromised. That's just reality. So expecting yourself to do a ton of stuff when your life has been flipped upside down, I want you to ask yourself if you're putting unrealistic expectations on yourself, like where you are expecting yourself to do so much, yet you know you're not okay. And I think that that is one of the first steps around this whole process is acknowledging how you're feeling, acknowledging that maybe you're not okay, that you are in these stages of grieving. We can't take different actions if we don't first acknowledge how we're feeling. And then you have to allow those feelings to be there. You have to allow the, the feelings and the stages of grief to be there. It doesn't feel good. Nobody wants to be grieving. It's a horrible, horrible place to be. And then allowing, right? Allowing those emotions to be there, not judging them. You know, I've had to not judge myself that my my capacity to, to, uh, take on the things I used to take on just isn't there right now, neither good or bad. It just, it just is. So, and then it comes back to how can I best support myself? And this is why I so often talk to my clients about putting together in advance your, um, support list and your support list is all about, the things that support you feeling even 1% better when life is happening to you, when life is lifing, when you're in grief, those little tiny things that are going to make the hugest difference. But when you are deep in grief and you're going back and forth between denial, anger, bargaining, depression, not even close to acceptance, every single day is about how you can show up for yourself. That's it right? What you can do to just support yourself feeling a little bit better. So how I'm managing, you know, number one, I've really let people love and support me. I've pulled my circles in really tight. So I'm talking to less people about what's been going on in my life. And that is intentional uh, because we can expend a lot of energy explaining to people what's happening in our lives uh, or maybe justifying it or uh, case building we can really get into many of you can get into victim energy. Like, why is this happening to me? And listen, I am not holier than now. I have had moments of like WTF. Why is this happening to me? Like I said, I know that this is a gift. I know that this is probably going to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. But when you are standing in the pile of manure, shoveling it, it does not feel like the best thing ever. It just doesn't. So I've had to really watch that I don't move into self-pity. So this is why I pulled my circles in tight because the, the people that I'm talking to, 
they won't allow me to go into my self-pity. They hold me to what they know I'm capable of with compassion and love. And I've allowed myself to be open and vulnerable and supported by these people. And that is not something I would have done in the past. And it's not what many of my clients do before they start working with me. They armor up, they put their heads down, they try and power through, muscle through, not letting people know how much they're hurting, how much they're suffering, how hard it is. They just go into like hardcore self-sufficient as a way of protecting themselves. And again, that is a trauma response that was learned when they were a child to cope with not feeling what they don't want to feel. None of us want to feel grief. Nobody ever wants to feel grief. So that has been um, one of my top things for managing my energy and making sure that these people also, they check in with me, not because they think that, you know, I can't handle myself. They check in with me because they know I'm okay, but they want me to know that they've got my back. And that just knowing, like being able to surrender to the love and support of that close circle has been so nurturing for me to know that I am fully supported, not just by the universe, the universal energies, but by these people that I know I could count on. These are like my bury the body with me friends. Um, that has been really powerful for me because once upon a time, I didn't really believe that anybody had my back. I believed that I had to do it all. And if I showed any sign of weakness or vulnerability, that would make me weak or needy. And now I allow myself to be vulnerable and to understand that having needs doesn't make me needy. And the more I allow myself to be supported, the easier this hard thing that I'm moving through will be right? It's, it's not going to be easy, but it's a lot more comfortable with the love and support of those people in my life. So that's uh, number one. Number two is I hired, I hired professionals, I hired professionals where so many of you let yourselves down again, is you try and go it alone, but you don't even know what you're going at. So for as good as I said, I've become at feeling my feelings. I had no clue, zero clue that I had so much emotion suppressed. And this happened in my life because this, this is part of the journey that I am meant to be on to wake other people up. So I believe every experience that I'm given is going to relate to somebody who's listening to me or who's working with me or somebody who needs to find my work. So I could not have found some of the things that I have discovered about myself, some of the pieces that I've put together about this, this wounded part of me that is so desperately wanting to be healed, but in the wrong ways, right? I just, I just want that hole filled. I wouldn't have recognized that, oh, this is a me problem. This is here. I didn't even know that I had this kind of hole. I know that sounds like a weird metaphor, but most of you, I think, will, will get it to feel like there's something wrong, but you, you don't even really know what is wrong. So to be able to put these patterns of my life together and now to be able to really do the healing work that I'm ready to do, I needed help with that. I am a world-class phenomenal coach. I say that 
not to brag, not from ego. That is just the truth. That is the, that is the truth. And even being one of the best, even the best needs someone to support them. So I said, I hired professionals to support me, to help me through this. And I'm hoping that, you know, one day I'll have some of them on the podcast to talk about this work because, and that's why I share it because I don't want to sugarcoat what this work can look like. But when you have the right professionals on your team, whether it's a coach, therapist, you know, I have a somatic healer. Um, When you have the right people on your team that you can 100% show up, let all your guards down, be who you are, have the honest conversations, and they can hold that space when you just want to run out of the door. Because let me tell you, some days I just want to run out of the door when they can hold that space for you with compassion, with love, when they can witness you in your most vulnerable moments, that is what will allow you to transform and heal and come out the other side, those right people. But trying to do it alone, that is like a commitment to ongoing suffering. You will suffer longer than you need to because you simply cannot see your own blind spots. If you could, you wouldn't be in this problem, not knowing how to get yourself out of the problem, right? Like you can't get yourself out of the problem when you're the person that created the problem, but you don't even know what created the problem in the first place. Okay. I went to my team. I was honest with them about what was going on in my life and said to them, you know, what can you take off my plate? And in fact, I didn't even really have to ask for that. Um, my COO, Bridget, who pretty much runs my company behind the scenes, she just took over. And that's, you know, in human design, she's a projector. That's what she does. And I love her for it. She has managed, my team has managed all my social media. So other than me, you know, getting on Instagram stories when I feel really called, they have just handled everything. I record my podcast. They take snippets from this. Uh, they create posts from this. They t- create video clips from it. But I have really gotten down to what is the bare minimum that I need to do in order to keep my business running, to continue to put myself out there, but so that I have the energy that I need for the things that matter most, which is my clients, right? Making sure my clients are well cared for, which they are, and making sure that I can do the things in the business that only I can do, but everything else was delegated to my team, or we took it off my schedule altogether and just said, you know what, we're not doing this right now. It can wait. Most things can wait. And a very uh, wise uh, mentor and previous client of mine would always use the phrase, you know, we're not creating oxygen, Lisa. And I've, I've just carried that forward. And I remind myself of that, right? We're not creating oxygen here. So what can we delete and uh, what can we delegate and what things do I need to do? So if you listen to my episode around the doing diary, this is the next stage of the doing diary. Once you gather that data of all the stuff you're doing, how can you put it into those three buckets of doing, delegating, or deleting? Because when you don't have a lot of energy because you're navigating grief or whatever's happening in your life, it you are required to let go of as much as you can because you're healing And getting to the other side as a transformed person and reclaiming your life in a much better way is going to take a ton of energy. 
it's going to feel worse before it feels better. I keep saying this. People want to avoid this, but I mean, you can either walk through this suffering and create what it is you want, or you can stay in your familiar suffering, which will go on forever. At least the suffering and the discomfort that I'm feeling now, I know it has an expiry date. I don't know when that is, but I know I will get to the other side. Whereas doing nothing will keep you trapped in your suffering indefinitely. But I don't need to tell you that because many of you are choosing to stay there. You're choosing to not take action. You're choosing to not do this work because you'd rather stay in that familiar suffering. And that's your choice. Like we all move when we need to move, right? We will all get our lessons when we need to get our lessons because anything in your life that you are trying to avoid will eventually catch you. This lesson for me, this aspect of my healing, it's not that I've been actively trying to avoid it, but it was only a matter of time until it came to the surface and said, you're going to deal with this now. So I'm dealing with it. So between letting people support me, hiring professionals, um, having my feel better support list. So looking at that and choosing things every single day that support me feeling better, whether it's getting in my car with the top down and the music up, which was totally today, totally lifted my spirits on a day that was really challenging because I, I was seeing my therapist today um, to, you know, getting to bed on time so that wanting to stay up or just like mindlessly scrolling social media. Those are things that can't be in my life right now because I don't have the energy to just mindlessly scroll. That's actually numbing. So if I'm going to go on social media, I need to be intentional about it, not just like trying to turn off what I'm what I'm feeling. I limit my time with anybody that doesn't give me energy right now. So if something isn't life-giving or nurturing, it's a hard no. And that has meant that even in programs that I support, I've had to, to just be honest and say like, this is what I can do right now. And this is what I can't. And it's been hard to say no, because these are things I love. They normally light me up. And right now I just don't have the extra energetic capacity to pour into that because the person that I need to pour into the most right now is me. Because as I said, healing, healing is costing energy and it's, I'm willing to pay the price, but it also means I have to say no to some other things. Um, I make sure that I am feeding myself, that I stay hydrated, that I move my body and that I give myself extra rest when I need it. So that means checking in with the coaches that I'm working with. If I need more rest saying, Hey, I need a rest day off the gym. Uh, giving myself things right now that I do feel like I have some sense of control over. This is one of the reasons why I'm going to be going up on stage. It's I'm a goal-driven person. I love creating outcomes. I also know that there's very little I have control over in my life. And I've really wrestled with, is this a good time to compete? But part of me needs something that just allows me to focus my energy on one task that is going to be fun, although it's going to be hard, it will be fun in the end. And it's just for me. It's not for anybody else. Me competing doesn't even have anything to do with my coaching practice. I share it with you guys, but it really has nothing to do with what I do. In fact, it's like the polar opposite of what I do when I sit in the coach's chair, right? Here I'm all professional and asking the hard questions and 
you know, and there I'm wearing stilettos and a sparkly bikini, like it's radically, radically different. And I get to have all these um, faucets of myself, which is really, really cool as do you, but this is why I'm, I'm going to be competing. It's a very short prep season for me this year because I'm looking for that thing right now that really is just about me where I feel like I do have a little tiny bit of control. And I'm also fully aware of, I have to be mindful that I don't use it as a way to numb out what's going on in my life too. So it's this fine line that I'm going to be walking. My work is also very um, nurturing. So I love my clients supporting them through what they're going through is very healing for me to sit down and do my work, to do my life's purpose is life-giving. This is what I've been put on the planet to do. Um, so my work is very healing, but again, it's that fine line of like working versus overworking and I'm not overworking and nor should you be if you're going through grief. So yes, use your work for those kind of moments where you get to just disappear into that land, whatever it is you do, but you still have to pull yourself out and get present in your uh, real life and with your feelings and with, with what's going on, as opposed to just like drowning in work to deny and avoid. Okay. There's a big difference. Um, what else did I want to share? I think that pretty much covers it. I know there's more things that I'm doing, you know, like I get outside for walks and stuff, but it's really just, everything is about what do I need? And that is a question that you get to ask yourself if you are in a grieving cycle right now, what do you want and what do you need? And be unapologetic about what you want and what you need. Give yourself that. Uh, because if you were taking care of somebody who is grieving, who is hurt, you would wanna give them all the love and all the compassion and all the care. Are you willing to turn that around and give it to yourself? Because so many of us, when we're grieving something, that's the last thing we'll give to ourselves, but it's the first thing we'll show up and give someone else. And that's what this podcast is all about, is allowing you to understand that you matter. You matter in your life and you're going to have different seasons. You're going to have seasons of joy and fulfillment and ease and peace. And you are going to have seasons of grief and anger and denial and sadness and depression and frustration. and we're always trying to wake our way back to this place of acceptance of our lives so that we can have more peace more often than not. And being grateful for these lessons that are being given to you, that are being given to me because they are aiding in your evolution to creating the life you want, right? It's, it's so interesting because people think that creation is about, you know, making this and, and bringing more in and da, da, da. And creation in my experience, happens when we continue to have the courage to let go and surrender. Creation is about what needs to burn away. So on that note, this was going to be a short episode. It's clearly not a short episode. Uh, but that, in a nutshell, is how you can manage your energy while you're navigating grief whatever that loss is for you. And I will continue to show up on a week to week basis and share with you, uh, you know, what I'm experiencing. You know, I wish I had more 
uh, joy and upbeat things to share. But I honestly think that I need to share exactly what is, you know, what I'm working through right now, because I know that somebody listening, it's going to help them and make it okay for them. So do your work, hire professionals, get a coach, whatever it is you need to be supported so that you can really become your best self. So on that note, uh, I am enrolling clients for June, starting midway through June and into July. We are also enrolling for my six-month hybrid program, The Collective. Uh, it's hybrid one-to-one -one calls and group calls. It's limited to five women max. So if that is something that you're interested in applying for, I will drop the, the link in the show notes. I believe it's lisacarpenter.ca forward slash collective. You can uh, send in an application. I'm happy to get on a phone conversation or a Zoom call, and we can talk about what your needs are and make sure it's the right fit for you. This is really for women who you know are overdoers, overperformers, A-type, wanting more out of their life, know they need to slow down, but are wildly uncomfortable slowing down. Uh, struggle with their relationship around vulnerability are always the strong ones, but inside they're kind of feeling like they're falling apart and their life isn't the way they want it to be, but you don't know how to change. I got a lot of experience in that. So if that sounds like you um, and you are looking to bring more joys, joy and ease and fulfillment into your life, make sure you fill out an application. So again, I'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. If this episode was helpful for you, um, I would love it if you would leave a rating or review or share it with one person who you know would benefit from hearing something that I said in here. Uh, and as always, the link to connect with me uh, over at Instagram will be down below or you can comment below this video. So until next week, take good care of you and remember, it is your responsibility to prioritize your well-being. Nobody is coming to save you. And uh, nobody matters more than you. And that doesn't mean that others don't matter. But when you learn how to prioritize yourself, love yourself more, right? You can love what you do. You can love all the other people in your life. But when you learn how to love yourself more, that's the foundation that will move you Forward, especially in this healing transformation work. So I will catch you on the next episode.